Oh my God. Happy New Year, everybody. Did you have a good year? Hope so. Hope so. Um, we got Dustin on the pod. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Um, Kiki is off with Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> yes, working. Work, 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 work. Um, she's dressing for Forrest Whitaker on a new show. I don't know. I don't know the name of it. Oh. I don't think she met him yet, but I think she's either supposed to meet him today or tomorrow. But um, yeah. So Kira, Ooh, I'm curious to hear all the stories. I know Kira got tea all the time. Not just not about Forrest Whitaker, but just in general. Just in general. And then we got the loon. Lunatic is in the house. Bark if you're nasty. Earth. <laughs> <laughs> So this is uh, season two, episode five. Welcome to I Swear to Drunk I'm Not God. Uh, wow, season two, episode five. <sighs> Look at me. Pushing through. 15 episodes left. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. One day, one day I will shift over to the old video. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. We'll get there. You know, I think it'll be fun. I'm getting ideas from like people on just seeing the formats that people are using. Something that I feel like... I can do that. I won't need a bunch of people to help yeah. me do. You know what I'm saying? Because then you got to coordinate. Then people want to get paid. Then you got to schedule. I'm not doing half. The, yeah, it's like I'm kind of a one woman show when I don't have a co host. Yeah, and, and adding a videographer. No, and then oh, I gotta go work. Oh, my car ain't working. Oh, I ain't got time yeah. for none of it. Like I hate to say this, but I got trust issues in that regard from film school. No, that makes sense. I mean, so, projects. Like. Yeah. And because I work in the television industry where we pay people handsomely, I know that the only way you can truly rely on anybody is when you're giving them like $3,000 a week. <laughs> like that, that totally makes sense. You know? Especially somebody, everybody you know has a job. Mm-hmm. So then it would have to be, you know, mm-hmm. after work. Yeah. And while they might be dedicated to do it at that moment. Well, but look at Kira. Like, Kira likes to do this, but she's a set person. There's that, yeah. She, I mean, and thank you because you were able to do this very last minute. Um, My mom was the one who told me. She was like, oh, you know, Kira starts work tomorrow. I was like, oh, Oh. what? Kira? What do you? you?" (laughs) But she has been working. She's been working a lot. She was doing theater. She was doing Hamilton for a while, right? She was doing Hamilton. She was just working, working, working. So then, like, as soon as her Broadway and Chicago job ended, she went right on to this show. Hey. She's never done. She's Jamaican. I always talk call Kira like, hey man, I don't know if you remember that in Living Color skit where like they had fifteen jobs. Oh, yes. It was like Damon Wayans and he would like, Oh, I have fifteen jobs. <laughs> <laughs> No he was like, I'm the plumber. I'm the this. I'm, and he would like name, name every. That's Kira. That's literally Kira. Like she's never not hustle, working. Hustle. hustle all day. So, um, but we're here and we're queer. No, I'm not, not queer. Cool. I am. But, <laughs> but Dustin is. Luna's here. She and be. she what? She might be. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Given her, because she's a wild one. Okay. She wants to get on the floor, I think. She is a whole ass Gemini. And when I say Kira, uh, Kira, when I say Luna is an insane dog, she has been kicking me and my mother's ass. You hear me? Between like her mm, 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 and not knowing what the fuck she want. She's like, what does she want? Does she want to go? She's like, look, I'm over here now. Okay. Come up. Come on, baby. Come up. Come up with me. 
I think she's sleepy, like you said. She is. And sometimes, too, like, she, hold on. So Brittany's picking the doggy up. She's picking Luna up. So we're taking a brief little, there we go. Why does it feel like best in show? She's picking the dog up. The dog is beautiful. It is a cute beige. She's, she's so adorable. Though. She's so fucking cute. Um, Her tear stains are stupid right now, but that's puppy life for you. Because they just, you know, that's she has allergies color. and once she just cries for no reason, but they'll go away for eventually. You want to sit with me, baby bear? Okay. All right, so who are we talking about today? We're talking about motherfucking Ed Gein. Exciting. The original, original. psycho. Look. So I don't know a lot about him, but I'm excited to learn even more. Look. <laughs> Excuse me. All I got to say is this. Ed Gein was a wild boy. Okay, and when I say queer. Mm. Okay. Okay. He was now with that being said, I would also like to say, go watch Psycho. If you've never seen Psycho, please go watch Psycho. Alfred. Some people haven't, you know, there was, you know, what's crazy. There was a period where I went and I watched the sequels (laughs) because I don't know if you know, like, so my uncle, Anthony Perkins, who isn't my uncle, but we share the same last name. (laughs) But I joke because so, (laughs) you know, that big, so I have a big picture of, um, John Coltrane in my living room. Right. Behind that picture is a giant picture of Norman Bates with the taxidermy owl behind him. Because in my Hyde Park apartment, I don't know if you remember, I had all those movie posters. Okay, I remember the movie posters. Which are in storage. And then, but I had my big ones. I had Marlon Brando, Orson Welles. And then I realized that everybody on my wall was white. And that's no disrespect to white people. It was just that I was like, why do I not have any black people on my fucking wall? And so because Uh, of my love for jazz, when I transitioned into this apartment, I said, you know what? We're going to make this one a jazz vibe. Okay. So I took all of, except the three horror posters that I have in my hallway which are shadow of a dad. They all Hitchcock. Okay. Right. Um, those in the hallway, I, everything else, Nina Simone, Billy holiday, miles that is all music in the living room. Yeah. So except they're over the TV is Carmen Jones. That's the only kind of film. Oh, and then the second bedroom has two horror film posters that my ex-boyfriend Steve bought me or gave me from the show. We did in Savannah. Okay. So, but anyway, I'm saying that to say, I fucking love Psycho. Like, I didn't like Psycho until, I want to say, I moved to Hyde Park. Okay. I know. I know. I know. I'm actually shocked. Bro. I know. Because that wasn't my favorite. My favorite was Birds. Oh. It wasn't. And then Rear Birds Window. Birds is crazy. So, when it comes to Hitch. I've ever seen Rear Window. Oh, my God. You need to watch Rear Window. I don't think I've ever seen Have you ever one. seen Disturbia with Shia LaBeouf? Yes. That's Rear Window. Oh, okay. But they they uh, reimagined it. But mm. what, what are we drinking? Oh, I'm yo. We're drinking the lemon lavender gin fizz. Okay, so that oh, what's funky about this one? And it kind of when you say it, kind of feels like it should be like a lemon drop minus the fizz or plus fizz. But this actually has pastried bitters in it, so it's lavender bitters, simple syrup, lemon juice, pastried bitters, and gin. And then you put them in a cocktail shaker, shake them up, and then you pour them over ice. 
shh, don't start. So, but that's what we're drinking. And then I put some, um, in ours, be, well, because it's the fizz, you're technically supposed to put, you know, like the little effervescent things wow. in them. I didn't have that. So I put in a little bit of sparkling, um, lime water. Oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's what we're drinking. Um, but no, what I was saying is when it comes to Alfred Hitchcock, Rear Window was always my shit. Birds was always my shit. And then I was like, you know what, Brittany? You saw Psycho in film school. You wasn't really that crazy about it. Watch it again. So oh, I yeah. watched it again. And I watched it again. And I watched it again. And I was like, I really like this movie. The movie's good. It's I've really never seen good. the sequels. It's really good. And you know, to be totally honest, the second one ain't half bad either. Okay, I'm not the Um. Yeah, we Anthony Perkins, I think. Yeah, for sure. Oh, my God, 100%. Because Anthony Perkins, if I'm not mistaken, is in the first two sequels. I think he's in the second and third. R.I.P. to Anthony Perkins. Huh? How many sequels are there? There's like five. There's a there's a Psycho 5. Okay. He, he may be in the fourth one. Because there's one where he's older. Because he died of AIDS, like, in the 80s, I think. Oh. Oh, you didn't know Anthony no. Perkins was gay? No. As four o'clock, he was gay. I mean, you know, my gaydar with celebrities is like, I didn't know, you know, Uncle Phil was gay. Uncle Phil who? Like from Will Smith. Like Fresh from Prince? Prince oh, I didn't know he was gay at all. Yeah. I didn't know you that know at all. over my head? Kyle from Living Single. He's gay? Yes. <laughs> you know what's crazy about Kyle is I assumed he was metrosexual. I didn't necessarily think he was actually gay, no. it's, which is funny because me and my mom were just watching on Christmas. We watched the Final Destinations, which is oh, apparently what he's you, in there, which is apparently what you do for Christmas. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I didn't watch nearly as many Christmas movies as I thought. I, I literally watch horror films the whole time. Oh, see, I think I watched every Christmas rom-com that's ever been made that you never even knew existed. Okay, I could believe that because you're a uh, you're a fairy tale dude. I, it just was great. Like, I know. I mean, the straight dog cooking yeah. for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so many black finding rom-coms. love in the woods. But there were so many black ones. Like, they yeah, just, I went into this algorithm on Hulu. Yeah, you know what my favorite one is? The Advent Calendar one. Mm. Oh, you mind? No, not at all. I think she wants to leave. Luna, we're we're locked in my room and Luna wants to leave to be with my mom. Thank God. I ain't even gonna lie. <laughs> but anyway, while Dustin's doing that, um, you should go and see the advent calendar. So what I was saying was the advent calendar one with Quincy Brown. I think it's Oh with- Christmas. Something. It's kind of newer. It's like 2018, 2019-ish. Super yes. cute. Super cute. That one's cute. And the one with Romany Malco, um, the radio station one on Netflix, Holiday Holiday something. That one was good, too. That sounds too. familiar. I'll send it to you because I can't remember. But that has nothing to do with Egg Game. No. Um, <laughs> but Egg Game was, was interesting. So we're going to have, it's going to be interesting talking about him. But what I was saying, too, is just go and watch Psycho. Um, he inspired Psycho. He inspired Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is one of those movies that I've always said, like, I just don't need to see again. It's, you know, it's it's one of those vibes, and I've seen some disturbing shit. It kind of reminds me of Last House on the Left. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie, the last, the original Last House on the Left. It's like, yeah, I'm good. 
I don't, you know, there are just some where you're like, mm. or like Cannibal Holocaust is like, ah, nah. <laughs> I already saw it. <laughs> uh, I tested my limits with that. Do I need to watch you butcher a turtle again? Probably not. That's how I feel about the uh, human centipede. Yeah. Oh, you know what's weird about human centipede? And I always tell this story because I just think it's kind of funny. I was in Venice, Italy, right? And I remember at the time, who was I dating? No, I was, whatever, that doesn't matter. But I was dating somebody. So I'm like in the bed late at night texting them and literally watched all three human centipedes. Oh, I've never seen it. So now every time I think of human centipede, I think of Venice, Italy, which I don't think that's what the Venetian people wanted at at all. all. But I enjoyed it. I didn't hate human centipede, any of them. I only saw the first one. I just, I didn't hate it. I just, I don't necessarily ever need to see it again. I liked exploring Disturbia. It was interesting. Mm -hmm. I just, it, I. It's completely unnecessary. Yeah, I just, I, you know, the. When I, you know, when I think (laughs) a certain, when I think of certain movies, especially when people ask me, like when I was going through my Halloween phase and like I was getting a lot of comments from people and people were like, what are you watching? And I'm Uh. like. I don't know why I watch this shit. Like, to be totally honest, there are some things that, that it's almost like exercising, like, where it's like, I know I can't pick up this 50-pound weight, but I'm going to try it for two, two yeah. like, two reps. I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm going to just see. And I feel like with that, with testing my limits with, like, disturbing cinema, it's made it easier to watch commercial horrors. Because now my tolerance is it's high. so much higher. Yeah. It's like if you drink cheap wine all the time and then all of a sudden somebody gives you a fine whiskey you you're gonna get you probably gonna get wasted versus like but now your palate over time your palate starts to change change. so for me like i'll watch a regular horror movie and be like wow i mean i don't think there's any real horror movies now that i haven't seen anything in a long time that's like that's a commercial horror that i'm like oh my god this is but I used to also pray for nightmares when I was a kid, so there's that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because nothing really would ever scare me enough. I mean, I've oh, sat and watched, like, my mom would, like, tell me, like, nope, you would sit and watch, like, horror movies all the time. But you are roll off your back ass nigga, though, which I think yeah. that a lot of people, like, just aren't. You know, like, you don't hold on to, you don't, like, hold on to anxiety like that. At no, least you don't show it. I don't. And I think that that could be why you didn't find so many things scary because you're like, what the fuck is this? And then you kind of can, you could just move on from it. Yeah, no, I think that that could definitely be it. Like nothing really, I don't, people like, oh, this like, people will tell you like, you don't, nothing, there's nothing that's like, oh my God, that's so traumatic. Yeah. And like nothing resonates. I don't have anything in my life that I'm like, oh my God, no. That thing, that thing. That thing. Or like people are like, oh, I can't listen to that song because it brings back horrible memories. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a fucking blessing. Knock on all the woods. Oh, yeah. Like, nothing, there's nothing that I really watch that resonates in that way. Like, yeah. Which could be a bad thing sometimes, I think. Sometimes, like, people will be like, oh, this brings back, nothing brings back, ha- like, there's no music that I necessarily, I mean, there's things like, oh, this reminds me of, yeah, a time. Era. Yeah. Um, but a moment or something like that, like, well, you're young enough where you can make some new memories. Yeah. My brain just doesn't hold on to certain things. Like, I just feel yeah. like, eh. and sometimes that's probably for the best for sure. It depends on your life. You know what I mean? Depends on your past. So it depends. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I need to explore that. Maybe. But you know, I will say that I, you know, my family have always been, and me and Kira talked about this on one of the previous episodes. We've kind of always been exposed to like all sorts of movies and all sorts of like experiences through movies that 
growing up as a, uh, you know, and being an adult, I'm like, I'm just watching something, <laughs> you know? And I think to be, especially now me, we work in the industry, me, Kira and my mom, well, we're just like, okay, we're, we're seeing how the sausage is made. Yeah. So no, definitely. it's just a totally different experience. And speaking of sausage, no. <laughs> well, wait, actually thinking of sausage, did you know that chitlins is the same thing that the sausage casing is? I just found that out on TikTok. Oh, wait, they use the, the yep, intestines the intestine. or the colon? Yep, that's what sausage casing is. Because this lady was on like some TikTok talking about chitlins, and she was like, and for all you people that da 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 da, da that sausage you eating is the same thing. And I was like... Except it don't got no boo-boo in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's already been cleaned. Sans boo-boo. I was like, thank you for ruining that. I still don't want you have chitlins. not ruined it, because I freaking love sausage. Oh, I'm still eating. No, I'm talking about her. I was oh, like, but okay. I'm still going to eat. But yeah. see, again... Yeah. It's like, fuck you, lady. Yeah. And low key, like me and my mom ordered Kenny's yesterday and we had um, hot, hot links. And I'm sure that's probably the same casing. Yeah. Whatevs. You know? Uh Uh-oh, she's back. (laughs) She was gone for 10 seconds. (laughs) Okay. So, season two, episode five. Ed. Ed King. Now, (sighs) I read Deviant by Harold Schechter. Harold Schechter also wrote a book on H.H. Holmes. And I didn't read his book. It was called Depraved. And I didn't read his book because there was a um, H.H. Holmes historian that was local that wrote a book. So I read his His book. book Because I was like, I think not that he's smarter, but just that he's a Chicagoan. And then he also wrote the book on somebody else that I did and I can't remember. It wasn't Carl Pan's around Albert Fish. He may that may have been called Depraved. Whatever. But I've read a couple of his books so far. I heard you I remember he's his name. An actual Ameri- he's like a serial killer expert. Oh. That's what he specializes in. What was interesting too and what prompted me to do this episode was because I watched a documentary on the actual lost tapes of Ed Gein after he was arrested. And Harold Schechter was on the documentary. He had never heard his voice before. So they played it. And then like the podcasters from last house, uh, last podcast on the left were on there. It was, it was a good documentary. I think it was like four episodes or something like that. It's called the lost tapes of Ed Gein. I think. Watch it. Yeah. Um, But I'm going to link it. So, okay. Why do I do effervescence on these things? So <laughs> that's what I read. Now, again, we're drinking the la- lemon lavender gin fizz, which is obviously a summer drink, but who cares? What the fuck are rules? Mind your business. That's all, <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. This ain't got, that ain't got nothing to do with the price of tea. <laughs> nothing. All right. So they, they, this is what's interesting. Um, as I was studying this, and, you know, obviously in my head, like, I was reading, I was like, I want to watch Psycho so bad. And, but I know Psycho so well now. Yeah. And I've seen Psycho so many times that I don't, I didn't even need to watch it. I was like, oh, I see what I got that. Oh, I see what I got. Oh, I see what I got that. Click, click, click. Yeah. Because obviously Psycho was based on a book by Robert Block. And then Alfred Hitchcock adapted the book. He cast Jamie Lee Curtis's mom, um, Janet Lee. As, Didn't know that's who yes, that was. Yes, she's the one that. Ee, yeah. Ee, ee. Um, and 
Martin Balsam, who plays the private investigator. Love, love, love him. If you've ever seen 12 Angry Men, if you've ever seen Murder on the Orient Express, he's one of those. He's just a phenomenal act. He, well, he's dead now, but he back then he was a phenomenal actor. And of course, Anthony Perkins playing Norman Bates, which when you go back to see him and you see wait for the scene where he's walking up the stairs you be like yeah he gay oh i can't wait cuz he's switching now. like and he just like he got up the stairs he used to, you know who he used to date rock hudson he oh. used to date rock hudson and his his pretend girlfriend was natalie wood who was the one who was killed on that boat with christopher walken oh i was going to do an episode on her actually before i did Thelma Todd. i decided to do Thelma Todd instead oh well, maybe we have to revisit mhm Christopher Walken was on the boat and her boyfriend at the time, Robert uh, Wagner. Uh, and, you know, they don't think Christopher Walker killed her, but why? Yeah, well, she was on the boat. She was drunk. She can't swim. Man, and there was an argument. <laughs> and then she was like sleeping with multiple people. It was, <laughs> it was like, oh, and she the only one to die. Huh? Okay. Bet. Oh, somebody yeah. killed her. Someone. Okay. So let's, let's talk about Ed. Now, like I said, Ed Gein was an inspiration for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Hitchcock Psycho, and uh, he was Silence of the Lamb. Love that movie. Buffalo Bill. It rubs the lotion on its skin. <laughs> <laughs> now, this episode is probably going to be similar to Carl Panzeram and Albert Fish when it comes to gnarliness. Um Gein's life was an absolute mess, which is safe to say the start of a lot of these stories. I mean, you I know, I mean, you you can't you can't have well, I won't say you can't have a, a pretty decent life and still turn into a serial killer. There are a few, but yeah. usually their lives kind of. Now it's interesting that you called him a serial killer too, because one of the things that was always asked was, "Well, Ed Gein only killed t- two, two people, people, right, or something to that." Extent. Yeah, and it was like, "Well, why is he a serial killer?" And it was like, "Well." they found a lot of stuff in his house (laughs) and we'll get to that so i'm I'm not even gonna tease that but there's this interesting little ditty there once was a man named ed who wouldn't take a woman to bed when he wanted to diddle he cut out the middle and hung the rest in the shed oh ed gein was born on august 27 (laughs) your face (laughs) Ed Gein was middle, uh-huh. okay. Ed Gein was born on August 27, 1906, which makes him a Virgo. Oh, well, mm-hmm. no, they're emotional. And he was born in La Crosse County, Wisconsin. Now, his parents were George and Augusta. George's family was from a small area called Coon Valley. Didn't look that up, felt racist. <laughs> I was like, Coon Valley? <laughs> I was like, and they're in Wisconsin. Well, could be raccoon. Could be Negroes. Didn't want to think about it, so I just breeze right on past it. But when he was a child, his father, his father, mother, his father, mother, and older sister left to run an errand when their wagon was caught in a flood. They all drowned, and George was orphaned. Mind you, George was a toddler. He was is a toddler three because he was three. Yeah, it's like a toddler, though, right? Yeah. I think. I don't know. I don't know baby stages. We already know. (laughs) So he moved in with his grandparents. He eventually would become like a blacksmith. But by his 20s, George was heading off to back to lacrosse where he bounced around from job to job. Now, this is because George was a bit of a lush. But who am I kidding? I'm a lush. George, he was just fucking drunk. Okay. Just like flat out. I mean, what you 
when you kind of think about it, he did lose his entire family when he was a toddler, which I is, mean, you know. I mean, you were three. Do you really remember? I mean, I don't know. But I, I think you I mean, remember that you ain't got no parents and everybody else does. You got grandparents. True. That's true. What do you want, dog? I don't know. I mean. I mean. It could be traumatic. I think it's traumatic. So. Yeah. He was obviously depressed as he grew into his adult years. He was angry about his life and his circumstances. Oh. I mean, he felt like he would never amount to anything. And at the end of the day, he was absolutely worthless, which, oh. as we know, is a clinical sign of depression. Yes. <laughs> like, that's a big part of depression. At 24, George meets Augusta. Now, Augusta was from a big family, big industrious family. Like, but. She was a bit of a curmudgeon and she was incredibly pious. She was a devout Lutheran and brought up by an abusive father who oh. beat her into a rigid code of conduct. That sounds so she was serious about everything, which 24 is really young to be serious about, about everything. Exactly. <laughs> and so they found everyone else. She found everyone else in the world. Absolutely disgusting. As you probably would when you take everything so serious. Like, what other 24-year-old is like you? Exactly. So they were like, she's like, oh, my God, these people are weird. Everybody's weird. We're better than them because we're religious and they're going to go to hell. Oh, there's that. So she thought she didn't like how anybody behaved. She didn't like how they spoke. The things that people were just doing reminded her of how sinful the world is. So she was stern and she was beyond self-righteous. I mean, the woman was like a statue. <laughs> like that's a horrible way to live. But I mean, I guess if your dad beat you to, to into submission now, who knows why they got married? I mean, it really, could she be. Married him? Yeah, she did. I mean, she, it could be that George just needed a family and Augusta needed someone to control. I mean, she was good at controlling people. She was incredibly domineering, but she may have found an able-bodied husband that she could tolerate. She was like, look, he built, he gonna work, he gonna do what I say. And maybe she felt bad for him. Maybe, maybe she pitied him. She don't give me the pity type. She, <laughs> she ain't giving me pity. So then they got married on December 4th, um, 1899. Now, George was worthless he wasn't wrong <laughs> <laughs> and everyone in town knew it everybody in town knew it too i mean they were like this nigga george is like why well, he was a blacksmith so i mean yeah, yeah he had a skill now augusta called him names in public but he was <laughs> he was afraid of hard work apparently <laughs> <laughs> and this only made George even more weak and more reserved. They were like, this dude is just trash. Like, well, he, and then you're letting your, your, your wife's running around in the 1900, like in the beginning, of, end of the 1800s. When men are doing everything. everything. <laughs> and she's treating you in public. Exactly. So, so she called him names in public. George was even more weak and even more reserved because of that. Right. Um, he would barely even speak. And now, oh. every now and again, George would beat Augusta. So he would he so, would beat her just just because he was drunk. He was just sick of her. He was angry. Well, I mean, you keep calling me and berating me. In I public. was about to say, like, how do you, beat you too? How do you not expect somebody to pop you in your mouth eventually? <laughs> now she would switch on to victim though. 
Of course. And then she would pray for his death. <laughs> Pretty consistently. Oh, okay. Now, most couples would would consummate the marriage by getting it on. Right. But Augusta wasn't interested. She found sex to be an absolute abomination. She said, between husband and wife, carnal relations were a loathsome duty to be tolerated for the sake of procreation. That oh, is, She deep. never had good sex before. In her life. In her life. So, they well, did that, though. Them. Well... You know, care. He was useless. So they did that. But George and Augusta had their first son after they did that. His name was Henry. January 17th, 1902. They have Henry. So George is useless ass. <laughs> he keeps losing jobs. And Augusta thought it was high time for them to work for themselves. She was like, okay, if you're not going to get a job, then we need to at least have our own business or something I that mean, we should she, rely you know, on. She seems a little sensible. She she came from a big family that had stuff. She, which is like, why would you marry a loser? Like, why'd you marry below? But I think it was because she wanted the control. Oh. So Augusta's brother were successful in their own right. They were in the market industry. They had like a bunch of markets and grocery stores. Oh, cool. And so Augusta and George opened a butcher and grocery store. Augusta was not the owner, but she handled all the affairs. And at first, George was listed as the owner. <laughs> and then two years later, he was listed in the directories as the clerk. Oh. She was like, you don't do nothing. <laughs> I'm the owner. I'm the owner. So later they would have another child and Augusta desperately wanted a girl. She didn't feel any attachment to her son, Henry. And on August 27, 1906, Augusta gave birth to Edward Theodore. Now she was not happy that she had a boy, but she vowed that Edward wouldn't be like the rest of the boys. He was going to be different. Was her first son not different? No. Because I don't think she knew she wanted him to be different until, <laughs> oh, until she, she had, had the a, first son. she had Edward. She's like, okay, wait. Yeah. She didn't want him to be a gross and like sex hungry man. She was like, I don't want that for Ed. Now, Edward was the absolute epitome of a mama's boy. He would literally cry when he disappointed her. He thought she was perfect. She had ultimately trained him to think that though. I mean, yeah, she was just really demeaning and she was an expert at beating him into submission, which is what she learned from her own father. Now, she almost feels like she has Munchausen syndrome by proxy, which is basically when someone falsely claims that another person has a physical illness Mm -hmm. in order for them to get the attention. And I actually did a show called The Act. Uh, back oh, in yeah, that Savannah, was, that was about that Gypsy was Rose. Gypsy yeah. Rose just got out of jail uh, last week, too. Mm. So anyway, go see the act. It's on Hulu. Um, but Gypsy's mom had Munchausen syndrome by proxy. and But the obvious difference between, you know, Ed's mom and a normal person with Munchausen syndrome by proxy is that she believed everything that she was telling Eddie. Like it wasn't just the attention thing. Like she wasn't just finessing. It was like, oh, okay. she thought the world was absolutely That's true. She maddening. Would, she was nuts. Yeah. She was crazy. Now she wasn't just making him this way because she wanted the attention. She did it because she believed that she was the only one that could save him from this cruel world. That was it. Oh. Now, once he was, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Once when he was a child, he was told that he was not allowed to enter the shed in the back of the gro- grocery store. And Ed noticed that animals went in and they never came out. 
So one time he snuck into the shed. Quote, there hanging upside down from a chain in the ceiling was a slaughtered hog. His father stood to one side of the animal holding it steady while his mother slipped a long bladed knife down the length of its belly, pulled open the flaps, reached inside and began to work at the glistening ropes of its bowels, which slid out of the carcass and into a large metal tub at her feet. Both his parents had on long leather aprons splattered with blood. So you just caught your parents butchering. (laughs) Well, I'd be a vegetarian after that. Yeah, no. This, this is, this may have been that moment. That. This may have been the moment that made it How old was he then at that point? He was like in his, like, like nine, ten-ish. Now. Very fundamental years. Yeah. And eventually Ed's family would shift from business into farming. Um, this was a decision of Augusta's because she was getting to a point where she was like, I'm sick of working this farm. Um, I'm sick of working this this store. I got two able-bodied sons. I got a useless husband. <laughs> like we need to, you know, we need to make some real money. So they farmed off and made money off their dairy cows okay. and rye. So this is when Ed, actually Ed was seven at this point. Okay. And so he was even younger when the butchering happened. Now, Augusta wanted to get away from lacrosse. She thought it was a filthy, disgusting place. In 1914, they moved to Plainfield. Now, um, this property wasn't in George's name. It was in Augusta's. Oh, yeah, could, could they have, I didn't know that even could happen. Back well, then. George was a loser, <laughs> <laughs> and everybody in town knew he was a loser. So, what nobody, what nobody really making a big deal out of it? Like, I mean, her husband's a loser. Yeah, he a drunk. What do you, what do you want? Now, this was Augusta's place. She kept it absolutely immaculate. It was a quote trim two-story affair an l-shaped white frame building with a parlor a kitchen a pair of bedrooms on the first floor and five more rooms upstairs the outbuildings including a fair-sized barn a chicken coop and an equipment shack there was also a shed like summer kitchen that had been built onto one end of the house with a connecting door opening into the regular kitchen dope she decked this place out with new furniture but what she really loved about the home was isolation Uh She didn't rock with the fact that Plainfield was Catholic, Baptist, and Methodist because she was Lutheran. She had no church home. So living this far from civilization made it apparent that she would be the one to teach her kids religious and moral beliefs. So I guess that's my religious ignorance because like, what's the difference between... I, you... We ain't even gonna do that. <laughs> Me and Kira like... had the same conversation. I was like, dude, I'm a, I ain't even gonna hold you. I was like... Mm. Same shit, different asshole. I was like, I'm confused because they all believe in... Same shit, different Yeah, ass. I'm confused. Same shit, different... Get... Stop it. She is biting this ottoman. Stop it. Go do something else. So... She was just one of those people. She was just like, I don't want to be all around these people. She was like, and plus the townsfolk didn't like her at all. They thought she was an uppity bitch. <laughs> what? Cause she thought everybody else was, I, yeah. But it was hard to tell like if they were hating because she was doing so well or if it was issue with the fact that she looked down on uh, uh, all of them because she was like, these people are trash, which was probably <laughs> so it was probably a mixture. Yeah. <laughs> she looked I mean, down on them she, and she was doing better than them. She was. I mean, and she literally didn't care. She, what she knew. 
she had to do. What was her was sign? To, <laughs> exactly. Wait, what was her sign? I don't think I have her birthday. But what she knew that she had to do was keep her sons from them. She, they can't be around none of these people. She was going to be all that they would ever need. Oh, that's that's a way to create a psycho. Thank you. <laughs> that, was pun- that was punny <laughs> now when Ed got to school he was okay he passed he was just not having a good time he was made fun of often duh uh. he spent a lot of time alone he could never really fit in and anytime Ed would try to make friends his mother would disagree that makes sense cause... she wouldn't say things she would say things like there are dark rumors about them or that family has a bad reputation how would she know since she didn't talk to anybody yeah because she's evil <laughs> she did. so so she was confused because she was thinking this whole time that she was actually teaching him something she's like why would he think he can fuck with any of these people like does he not know who i am and he will return to school and then just act like he didn't know the kid oh which is that's like ghosting without ghosting literally and like, i'm gonna di- ghost you in your face, in your face. <laughs> i'm actually a ghost you can see casper hello so, so friendly ghost. it's it's terrible so now ed was he was already really different but no one thought he was dangerous i mean he was incompetent <laughs> pretty much it you know like they were like uh, i mean he's just a strange kid his mama crazy what else what would he be this is a recipe (laughs) for disaster now what his peers did notice was that quote the way his eyes kept shifting around whenever he tried to talk to you the odd lopsided grin he always wore even when the conversation had to do with deer hunting accident that this guy named Eugene Johnson or old man Beckley's heart attack his habit of laughing at weirdly inappropriate times as though he was listening to some strange private joke that no one else could hear I mean was it that awkward laugh you know people like uncomfortable yeah you just kind of smile because you're like I don't know what to do (laughs) not smile (laughs) again psychopathic Now, he would sometimes get caught just staring at the girls in class. Um, Conversations about sex made him blush. He was meek. He was soft. The uh, classmates noticed that he came off a little girlish. He was hella sensitive and he could never take a joke. Like not like well, everything made him like cry. Was that uh many jokes happening in his house? Yeah, yeah Mom, absolutely. Know what not. a joke he was. He's like, I don't know what a joke is. He would just get teased for this eye. Um, he had this like fleshy growth like over his left eyelid. That kind it kind of just made it look like his eye was swollen. Like he had oh, a sty, yeah, like a permanent sty. Mm-hmm. And you know, and it kind of made his eye droop. And one boy used to call him Eddie's saggy baggy eye. <laughs> Kids are so cruel. <laughs> That's why y'all need to stop having them. <laughs> they need to start. People, we need to figure out a way to birth adults. <sighs> that mm. would make life easy. Well, no, it wouldn't because no. adults suck too. Yeah, I might say, well, you know. <laughs> no. Now, he would sometimes get caught just staring. Oh, I already said that part. Now, this only confirmed what his mother had been telling him that people are trash. The world fucking sucks. Yeah. And so do all the people that live in it. Meanwhile, back at the farm, George is being an abusive, abusive, useless asshole. I mean, he would go on alcoholic rampages and even accused Augusta of adultery, which 
Be fucking for real. Let's be for real. <laughs> she don't even want to have sex with you. No, she was she the doesn't mo- like anybody. She was the mother of all prudes. There was no way I in want to think hell she's a lesbian. that she probably was that this woman would sleep with anyone. Period. Let alone someone other than her husband. Yeah. Not to mention she was booked and busy. She had more than enough to do. She was. She had no time to be distracted by anyone because she oh, was distracted. We know by that doesn't really take farm. time to. Oh, that's facts. <laughs> yeah, but she was. She was booked and busy. She had stuff to do. She had a business. She had a farm. Yeah. She had things to do. She had two kids. She had care two of. kids. Her husband was useless. She was doing everything. Yeah. And I mean, taking a farm, taking care of a farm is not easy. She's also butchering her own animals, like and keeping the house pristine. Ex- exactly. Now it was doomed. Yeah, no, he was. His father was a coward. His yeah. mother was a nut. His relationship with his mother was strange, but the entire situation was strange. She would talk about the floods and how eventually they'd wash away the sins of women. This That's girl not what the is Bible says. very gay. The lips of strange woman drop honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her lather end, her latter end is bitter as wormwood, which I like wormwood. It's an absinthe. (laughs) Sharp as a two-edged sword. Now, therefore, my son, hearken unto me and depart not the words of my mouth. Remove thy way from her and come not nigh the door of her house. For why shouldest thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? Why, my son, and what, O son of my womb, and what, O son of my vows, give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. Proverbs. Henry was against Augusta. He was nothing like Ed. He was not falling for the okie doke at all. He would even try to date girls. But as Henry got older, he just um, stayed away from women altogether, which was apparently the case of Augustus brothers as well, because none of them married. Oh, okay. Um, And then at 66, George Gein dies. His funeral was April 4th, 1940. Now he was a sickly man. Um, and they were, yeah, he was drunk. They were sick of taking care of him. They were sick of taking care of him. And no one was that upset that he died. Like, did anybody care? I mean, he was a mean drunk in the story. Now the house was not being taken care of. It was becoming harder and harder to scrape money together to afford the improvements. The house didn't have electricity or plumbing. Um, The house had looked exactly the way it did in 1914 when it was purchased. And Ed would try to go to the army, but he was rejected because he didn't want to do none of this. He was like, let's get out. Henry was too old. Got it. He was like, I can't go. Ed tried to go. But then he was rejected when he took his health exam because of the fleshy growth over his eye impaired his vision so he oh, couldn't even go so he couldn't even go, to the, go to the army oh so you're like so, your dad kind of worthless yeah but he was 36 at this point oh. now he found some work as a handyman he was helping with repairs he was doing roofing but he also did some babysitting kids liked ed i mean he would tell them scary stories he would play games with them i mean he was practically he was a child a himself so i suppose this makes sense because it's like you're kind of a boy in your own house, even though you're like 40. <laughs> That's like if, you know, at our I mean, age. I know. I don't know if I would 
want a developmentally sounding challenged person watching my kids. Mm -mm. But you know, this is also that time people period when people were like, eh, kids, what are they? Work mules. That is true too. <laughs> They're just things to do stuff. Now, um, he was insecure. Um, he was really insecure around adults, even though a lot of people would say that he was a great neighbor. Um, he was nothing like his stuck up mother. Like oh, they couldn't okay. stand Augusta. He and his brother also had a great relationship. Henry was kind of normal. Um, so they do like sibling activities. They go fishing, they go hunting every now and again, they bump heads, but that was only because of siblings. Ed's, yeah. But also because of Ed's relationships with Augusta, Henry thought that it was just really freaking strange. He was like, what is right with you oh, and her? That makes sense. So <clears throat> Ed was confused by this because he thought that Henry shared the same feelings about her that he had. Oh, um, and no. then on May 16, 1944, Henry died at 43. Oh. He was with Ed, helping him put out a marsh fire that was mysteriously caused, which was rumored to be caused from burning leaves. Well, while they were putting out the blaze, Ed claimed he lost Henry because it got dark. But when he went to go get the sheriff's department to perform the search, Ed led them to exactly where Henry was. Oh, did he, did we kill him? Quote. Victim number one. When they mentioned to that to Eddie, he only shrugged and agreed with them. And he said, funny how that works. <laughs> the medical examiner, examiner, though, declared the cause of death as asphyxiation and, quote, as foul play did not enter into the death of Mr. Gein and no one suspected Ed in Henry's death. <laughs> okay i mean i mean it is what it is right now to ed his mother was the business okay she was a miracle she was something to Christ. be awed literally eventually augusta would have her own health issues though she claimed to be faint all the time she needed a doctor um he would find that find out that his mother actually had a stroke now <clears throat> he would nurse her back to her feet because there was a period she couldn't walk and you know she lost like facial um mobility oh from the stroke <clears throat> mm -hmm. but she was still pretty mean to him <laughs> um when he would try to help her she'd say move boy i can manage myself and then in 1945 ed and his mother were at a neighbor's house house to buy hay fodder when they witnessed the neighbor beating a puppy with a stick his mother was so upset but not because of the puppy she was upset because the neighbor was living with some woman and the woman wasn't his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Business. Mind up. you, he beat this puppy and killed it. But she's mad at the fact that this grown ass man got some rent because the woman was screaming at him to stop beating the puppy. She wasn't mad at that. She was mad because she was like, why he got this hard? Why he got this? This woman here. Why is she here? And why is she saying something about this puppy getting beat? Exactly. Now, <sighs> uh, it was it was stupid. Now, one week later, on December 29th, 1945, this old bitch dies. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, good riddance. She was only 67. She died of a cerebral hemorrhage. She had basically had another stroke. 
Ed wept like a baby. Couldn't yeah. stop crying. He was all on his own now. His mm. father was dead. His brother was dead. His mother was dead. And his brother's dead because he own, probably you know? killed him. So, yeah, you know, that's what happens when you're yeah. old. Yeah. Now, it's true. Then. It's true. Now, even with augusta being dead the townsfolk didn't really notice how much ed was changing he was already so strange he was always disheveled his poor he had poor hygiene he was kind of weird he was awkward socially Mm. he never really shaved but the farm was already on the decline they just didn't know how much of decline it really was yeah and if you're already weird nobody's paying attention nobody's paying attention they're like whatever he's weird and then after george's death you know it was like even i mean after augusta's death it's even more so because she was actually keeping some things clean yeah um he really stopped doing anything to the place quote his room is if possible even more squalid than the kitchen a chaos of discarded food tins empty cartons crumbled newspapers corroded hand tools old musical instruments including a broken accordion accordion and a violin without strings and three foot stack of tattered coveralls a clothesline hung hung with soiled handkerchiefs is strung above eddie's iron bedstead sounds like a hoarder yeah Amid the insane clutter and filth, the only objects that seem to have ever been treated with care are Eddie's firearms. Two 22 caliber rifles, a 22 caliber pistol, a 7.65 millimeter Mauser, and a 12 gauge shotgun. Okay. Now, to support himself, he would rent a few acres of the land and then he would work it as a handyman, which is like. That's pretty confusing because you're a handyman for a living, but your house is in shambles. That's weird. That, yeah. Um, but he was strong. <laughs> Everyone knew that he could be relied on for work. Okay. So he was kind of just like the, the was guy. Better than his dad. Way better in that capacity. Yeah. Now, he was quiet. He was well-mannered. So most people didn't question the condition of his home. I mean, because he was alone all the time. Some of the other farmers' wives would like cook for him, make sure he had something to eat because they knew that he was by himself. But the problem was is that he would always look at the wives and the daughters a little little too weird. They like he like why does he be staring at these women? Because he thinks they're full of sin. Well, and they didn't. They knew though that he didn't mean any harm. But when he got caught staring, he would just like bolt, like get rigid, and like bolt out of his chair. And they were like, yo, like, what what is that? Now, the farmers didn't care about him, the men. They thought that he, (laughs) (laughs) hey, like, he just doesn't even have enough sense to really pay attention to. And he's strong enough to take care of himself. So we don't even understand why you're doing all of this for him. But the women felt bad for him. And even as an adult, he was still bullied. They still made jokes about him. Generally, after a day's harvesting was done, the crew would unwind with a tub of ice beer. And on a few occasions, one of the fellows would hand Eddie a bottle that had been half filled with brandy. Oh, that's Eddie would petty. guzzle it down, not noticing the difference. And before you knew it, his droopy eyelid would begin to sag even more. Oh, humans really are trash. They are trash. <laughs> like, why y'all do this to this man? Now, they even planted a smoke bomb under the hood of his car once and they got a real nice laugh when ed jumped out of the truck thinking that it was about to explode men really are stupid i mean because i mean in real let that no matter how old you are i feel like when you put a bunch of men together in that kind of environment yeah there's always like somebody they're they're picking on yeah 
for sure. It just it bunch of brutes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the men thought that he was weak acting and he would even claim to have an issue with blood once, which is kind of hard to believe considering they butchered animals all the time on the farm. Yeah. But then they found out that Ed really loved true crime magazines. Oh, cool. They um, had those back then? Yeah. But he would tell them about the stories he'd read about. And, you know, he would tell anybody who would listen. He was just absolutely fascinated with murder. Murder was one of his favorite topics. Well, no, no judgment there. <laughs> now, he also liked to study Nazis, though. Um, oh, specifically, a little judgment there. A little bit. Um, specifically, female Nazis like Irma Gresa, which I was thinking about doing her before I did t- Todd as well. Irma Gresa, who was a 19 year old SS guard, she hand selected women and children to be executed. And then there is the bitch of Buchenwald, who her name is uh, Ilsa Koch. She collected human remains and used their skin as like lampshades and like book I, feel like I know her story. Yeah, somehow, like. she. They, I mean, because she always comes up randomly, like on Instagram, on Facebook, and shit like that. Yeah. He also liked um, cannibal and headhunter stories. Uh, one story in particular was about a man who was shipwrecked on a Polynesian island and got tortured and flayed by natives. <laughs> He also loved stories about exhumations, which is, oh. um, you know, the body snatchers yeah. who stole corpses and sold them to anatomy schools. H.H. <coughs> Holmes, go back to episode one, season one. <laughs> <laughs> There's three parts of that. I, you know, I keep saying I'm going to go back to the episode, but I'm afraid. Um, now, at this point, hmm. point, Ed is 41, right? Absolutely should. I, I should. That'd be interesting. Now, at this point, Ed is 41. He was a complete recluse but one place he would regularly go was mary hogan's tavern now he wasn't a drinker by the way he was just there to stare at mary hogan um mary hogan was a 200 pound middle-aged german woman (sighs) but she looked a lot like augusta oh Um, rumor has it she was divorced twice connected to the mob in chicago and possibly a madam so cool. I like she her. had a nice little vibe. Now she was nothing like Augusta. Not at all. She was more like Augusta's evil twin. <laughs> yeah, I was like, she sounds like the exact <laughs> opposite, actually. Now, one thing that also is um important to mention is Christine Jorgensen, who was an ex-GI from New York City that changed her sex in Denmark. Uh, she was the first person to become widely known for having a sex change. And this was in the early 1950s. Wait, wait. So she went from female to male? Mm-hmm. No, male to female. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, this was in the early 1950s and Gein was obsessed with Christine Jorgensen. Um, he w- had always dreamed of being a girl and oh, having girl oh. parts. Now, Gein desperately missed his mother and sometimes he could still hear her. That so, whole family was crazy. He could hear her voice. He was obviously depressed and lonely and possibly schizo. He thought about selling the farm, but couldn't really muster up the energy to do it. He became paranoid, thinking that someone was watching him. And one time he claimed to have seen a pile of faces laughing at him in a <laughs> pile of leaves. Where, where, where is psychotherapy happening right now? Like, I mean, in the middle of Wisconsin, probably nowhere. Makes sense. Now, around Plainfield, there was a lot of mysterious disappearances, at least five, actually. And they were pretty spread out, but they were all abductions. But then there was the disappearance of Mary Hogan. 
And on December 8th, 1954, Seymour Lester walked into Mary Hogan's tavern and it was empty. He noticed blood on the floor. He ran down to the nearest farmhouse to call the town chairman. And then he called the sheriff's department. And when the police arrived, they found a 32 caliber cartridge lying on the floor in a patch of dried blood. The blood was streaking as if the blood was dragged. Talks mm. around the town about Hogan started. Quote, Eddie said Elmo Uek, if you had spent more time courting Mary, she'd be cooking for you instead of being missing. <laughs> Uick would never forget Eddie's response. As he recalled recent years later, Eddie rolled his eyes, wiggled his nose like a dog sniffing a skunk. Then he smiled. She's not missing. Missing. She's down at the house now. Oh. He's an eyeball. He must be joking, right? Right. Mm, that, maybe he not. He would though. crack this joke often. Um, she's at the farm right now. <laughs> he would say this like grinning. And then he would so say stuff like, check the farm. <laughs> I, went and got her, I went and got her in my pickup truck and took her home. He kept talking about taking this woman home. I mean, there were already rumors of um, shrunken heads being at Gein's house. One teenager, because he always had kids at his house. Right. Which, oh, right. Because he liked kids. Because he related to them. Better. Oh, my God. But if the parents saw the condition of this man's house, <laughs> one teenager claimed to have seen him. He was like, he had been hunting with Ed. When he went into the house, he was one of the few people that did. Ed would show off the head collection and say that they were genuine South Seas shrunken heads sent by his cousin from the Philippines, which, as we know, is probably what he got from the comic or from the true crime right, magazines. The... There were many kids playing around his dirty ass house. Kids and they were playing anything. with items that they would just find on the floor. And one of these, reason I don't like kids. Like, come, why? Come touch me. Why does your, it, like, like you? You in a clean house yourself? Why would you ever think this is a place you should play? Uh, it just don't make no sense. Come home and touch me. Exactly. <laughs> I'll pass. Uh, quote: One of these times when we were over there, I ran out of paper and I asked Eddie where I could get more. He told me to go into his bedroom. When I went around the corner, there were three heads hanging on that door. Just the heads. The faces were dried, and there were there had they had hair on them remember those african movies with the shrunken heads yeah that's what they were kind of like not really shrunken though like, i'd have like to say heads? they were actual size i asked my brother what the heads could be he told me they were probably halloween get-ups and i was young enough that i believed it i never asked eddie about it but from the from that particular time or shortly thereafter Eddie no longer let my brother or me into the house. The heads became a joke around playing field. Ed would joke about the heads himself. Quote, is that where you keep your shrunken heads? He gave me a funny look. My husband looked at me too and I wished I hadn't said it. But then Ed gave me that little grin and pointed to another room. No, they're in the other room over there. So nobody, nobody thinks this is... Guess not. <laughs> so... <laughs> Gene kind of turned into the boogeyman, which as we know, you know, over time, certain like urban legends and different stories and yeah. things change and he gets through the grapevine and people start just talking about that weird man that lives in that farm that does all this foul shit, but well, shrunken heads. Yeah, exactly. Which is like, uh, or not probably so true. <laughs> now it's 1957. 
Ed stopped at Warden's Hardware and Implement Store. Bernice Warden, a widow, owned the establishment after the passing of her husband, Leon. She was 58. She was solid. A grandmother, too. She was a businesswoman, though. Bernice was busy. Her son, Frank, would help her at the store as well. But he was not only, like, helping her with the store. He was also village constable, fire marshal, and a sheriff's deputy. Okay. He was basically Kira. I was like... (laughs) (laughs) Now, Ed had started to hang around the store. Just that evening, when he entered her store, he was asking for antifreeze. He came back, and Warden was alone. So they had a little moment prior when Ed asked her if if she wanted to quote, try out the floor at the skating rink. Mm. She didn't take him seriously at all. And she thought he was just a weirdo. But she wasn't wasn't at all surprised when he came back to the store because his family had been customers for years. Right, okay. So he- Because it's Lloyd B. Yeah, exactly. So he came back acting like he wanted to trade in his Marlin 22 rifle for another rifle because she also sold guns. Okay. And when when she handed Ed the rifle, she turned to look out the window and he reached into his pocket. He grabbed a 22 caliber shell and he put it in that gun and he shot her. Oh, Okay. Uh, yeah. That okay. I know. A oh, gas station attendant across the street noticed Warden's car leave and was sure there was a male driver, which didn't strike him as odd because she always had delivery men at her establishment. She was a store. She was a store. So what he did notice was that the following day her shop was closed, but her lights were still burning. Oh. Yeah. Burning. No electricity. Okay. I was it's, like, do we still not have electricity in the sixties? Look, but why? When her son returned from hunting, he was confused. He knew his mother had planned on keeping the store open all day. So when he got inside, he realized that the cash register was missing and there was blood on the floor that led all the way to the back door. So Frank, her son, called the sheriff. His name was Art Schley. And when the sheriffs arrived, Frank told them he's done something to her. He Sheriff's Deputy Fritz was like, who? He was like, Eddie Gain. Finally, somebody's pointing the finger. When asked why he suspected him, quote, he's been hanging around here a lot lately, bothering my mother mother to go to roller skating and dancing and to movie shows. So he kept shooting his shots. She kept shooting him down. Just the day before Wharton went on, Gene had come by the store around closing time to check the price of antifreeze. And while there, he had inquired very casually if Frank intended to go hunting on Saturday. Frank, not attaching any particular significance to the question, had confirmed that he meant to be out in the woods first thing in the morning. Frank then showed Schley and Fritz something he had discovered while awaiting for the sheriff's arrival. It was a slip of paper with his mother's handwriting on it, and she had made it out that morning. As far as Frank was concerned, it was a piece of evidence that pointed directly to Gein. It was a sales receipt for antifreeze. So he mm. came in to inquire about the price, came back and bought it. And then killed her. And then killed her. So they got, they got antifreeze, but not electricity? <laughs> 
<laughs> now you know what it could be she has electricity know. but the person who who quoted that used the term burning because it used to burn no it used to burn i'm yeah. just like i'm like we got antifreeze she may she ha- she may have had electricity no i need to google like yeah. when like electricity became common in the well house. and that's the thing we know ed gain don't got no electricity but that's no, no, because that's his like, house, house hadn't been up yeah his course, house like, hadn't been updated. yeah now, immediately, they knew they needed to find Ed. Now, everybody and their mother was in Plainfield. They, I mean, all the cops, all the deputy, all the people, everybody was looking for Ed. And when they found him, he was chilling at the home of Irene Hill playing with her kids. Her son-in-law, Jim, came running in and was like, oh, my God, did you hear about Warden's disappearance? And Ed was like, hmm, must have been somebody cold-blooded. Okay. Irene then thought, Ed had also been with Mary Hogan. So she asked, quote, how come every time somebody gets banged on the head and hauled away, you're always around? He gives his little shit eating grin and he shrugs. Mm. Mm -hmm. Makes sense to me. (laughs) Now, of course, her son, Bob, wanted to go down to the commotion downtown because everybody was looking for you know, uh, Mary Ward, not Mary Warden, uh, Bernice Warden. So he wanted to go downtown. So he asked Ed, he said, hey, did you take me downtown? And Ed was like, duh, yeah, I'll take you downtown. And when the police came by Ed's farm, they noticed that no one was home. So they go across to where Irene lives. They ask her, where's Ed? And she's like, oh, he's sitting in his car right in the driveway. Unless he's taking off. He's driving my son downtown to see what's going on. The police walked over and there was Ed sitting in the car with Bob. They told Ed, hey, we need to talk to you. They, of course, asked Ed, what, what, where was he? What did he do on Warden's disappearance, on the day of Warden's disappearance? Eddie blinked once, then said, somebody framed me. Oh, okay. Framed you for what? Well, Mrs. Warden. Uh, what about Miss Warden? Well, she's dead, ain't she? Dead? How do you know she's dead? And then Eddie's lopsided grin seemed frozen in place. Well, I heard it. Where'd you hear it? I heard them talking about it. Trying to sound all nonchalant. But then, whatever doubts the officer had been entertaining about Gene's involvement had completely evaporated. And he knew he had his man. So, what's next? Well, uh, they head over to Gene's house to search the place for evidence. Okay. When they walk in, the two officers, one of them, Officer Schley was there. He opens the door. He steps back. And he could feel something brush up against his back. Quote, there in the beam of his flashlight dangled a large, dead, white carcass. It was hanging upside down by its feet. Just like a pig. Its front had been split completely open so that its trunk was little more than dark than than a dark gaping hole the carcass had been decapitated as though someone had sliced the head off for a trophy the body had been butchered like a heifer or a dressed out deer only it wasn't an animal it was the body of a human being an adult woman Bernice Warden's body. They trained their flashlights on the gutted, headless woman suspended by her heels from 
the ceiling, a crude wooden crossbar, three feet long, bark covered and sharpened to a point at both ends had been shoved through the tendons of one ankle. The other foot had been slit above the heel and secured to the rod with a stout cord. Her arms were held taut at her sides by hemp ropes that ran from her wrist to the crossbar. The bar itself had been hooked to the back, the block and tackle and hauled up toward the roof beams and there left to keep, excuse me, in the coldness of the shed, like a side of beef in a butcher's meat locker, the mutilated remains of the 58 year old grandmother hung. Well, he clearly did not have an issue with blood He at all. Now, leaving the summer kitchen, they head over to the main part of the house. There was garbage everywhere he has so much garbage in his house that they looked at it and they thought that he had been bringing garbage in from the dump that because it was just like random he had a coffee can filled with chewing gum a displaced (laughs) (laughs) a displaced shelf of just yellow dentures okay uh they found a soup bowl made out of a human skull uh, he had skull caps, which is the part of the the skull that yeah. they saw off. He had that all over the place, as well as complete skulls. And he was also using skulls to decorate his bedposts. Okay. I ain't done. Eddie made a kitchen chair seat out of human skin. When they flipped <sighs> it over, the other side still had fat on it. They found four of those. He had also made lampshades, a wastebasket bracelets a tom-tom which is drums and a knife sheath they were all made out of skin they found a belt made out of female nipples <laughs> i don't know that was... okay so homeboy is talented though as far like crafty. i mean i mean crafty, crafty. As hell. like i mean maybe if we gave him some like fabric he could have been he a clothing designer I mean, he could do something else <laughs> like the fuck a shade made out of a shade pool made out of uh women's lips because he didn't have electricity, they brought in a generator to light the house and they found more stuff. I don't know if I want to light that house up. A shoebox filled with female genitalia. Nine vulvas, to be exact. They had started to dry and shrivel, and one was covered in silver paint and trimmed with red ribbon. There was even a fresh one. It had a piece of Mons Veneris, which is that fatty part of the vagina where the hair usually grows, the pubic uh, that covers the pubic bones. It's usually covered in pubic hair, but this, if you need a visual, there was also still anus attached. Y'all can't see my face, but my jaw is like dropped and I'm like really disturbed at the moment. <laughs> oh, it has salt sprinkled on it. They found a box of four human noses a Quaker oats container filled with head skin, which is called integument. Okay, where were all these missing people at? I'll tell, tell you. There were several pairs of leggings made out of human legs and a torso of a middle-aged woman. He had skinned the top part as well as the breast and attached cord so he can wear it as a vest. When did he even have time to do all of this? He clearly had nothing but time. (laughs) Then he had a huge mask collection. He had peeled the faces off nine female skulls, no eyes, hair still attached. Some had been treated with oil to preserve the skin. 
I was like, you moisturized. Oh god! And these are saying this. I'm just like envisioning like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, hundred percent, like, like a crude face mask. Some of them had lipstick on them. Uh, four of them had been stuffed with paper and hung in Ed's bedroom. These were the shrunken heads, quote unquote, even though they weren't shrunken. Then one of the officers found a paper bag, and in it was more faces, but they had been dried out. When he had picked them up, he picked up one. And one of the deputies was like, oh, my God, it's Mary Hogan. (gasps) Oh, there goes one of the dead bodies. Mary Hogan had been missing for three years at this point. They found so many body parts that they didn't know how many people could have supplied them. All of this was mostly in the bedroom and in the kitchen. They hadn't even made it to the rest of the house. What does this house smell like? Dog dookie. (laughs) Like, (laughs) death. I'm confused on how they're even in there. Literally. But it's probably because it's so freaking cold. This is in winter in Wisconsin. Oh, good point. So, So, like, they're preserved. Refrigerated. And he don't have electricity. Or gas. Exactly. So there was a part of the house that was completely boarded up and shut off. And this was the bedroom and the parlor of Augusta Gein. In pristine, even though dusty as hell, condition. He He left it exactly the same. Now, they found Warden's heart in a plastic bag. A pile of entrails, still warm wrapped in newspaper inside of folded men's clothes in the summer kitchen where they found the body. They found two stained mattresses sandwiched together. And in between them, they found a burlap sack with steam rising off of it. What was in the sack? Her head. Was he trying to shrink it? I don't know. I don't know why he put it in between two mattresses. I, I guess to hide it. I don't know, but it was fresh. I mean, did he really care about hiding anything? Uh-uh. <laughs> like, Quote, what Eddie had done was taken two 10 penny nails, bend them into hooks, connect them with two foot length of twine and stick one nail in each of Bernice Warden's ears. In this way, the head could be hung in Eddie's bedroom as a trophy or a wall ornament. And I hope quote, nobody was eating during this episode. No, I'm sorry. I was actually like maxing on ribs, which I was like, <laughs> wow, Brittany. <laughs> now, it was November 7th, Sunday, and she was she technically went missing Friday. Saturday is when Frank finds out that Saturday is when her store wasn't open. And Frank was like, no, her store was supposed to be open all day Saturday. So this is Sunday. So she's Just only been gone for two 12 days. 12 hours. No. Not even. 12 hours since Frank realized. Oh, right. Since Frank realized. But right. she's been gone since Friday. So needless to say, they locked Gene up. <laughs> but Gene had admitted to nothing. Nor was he read his Miranda rights to an inter- attorney. Now, this case... Um, would change the reputation of Plainfield, Wisconsin forever. Yeah, like it would forever be associated with Ed Gein. When they examine Warden's body, this body, I, I'm not even going to get. Does this place even exist, Plainfield anymore? Yeah, I it still does. the name if I were them. The body and the head, I mean, they found so many indications that he just treated it like it was just a piece of meat. There were parts of the body that had been cleaned. There were, I mean, he was literally just treating it like it was a pig or a cow or just something he was butchering. Now, the postpartum, the postpartum, Jesus, the postmortem reports also state how Gene removed Warden's heart. 
He removed it in a deer hunter's pattern. And that the medical examiner wonders if the murder stemmed from Gaines reading of crime comics and movies. So this was suspected because they found a ton, a ton of pseudo pornographic crime magazines at his house. Now, do I even need to say it? The media had a field day with this. Oh, God, I can only imagine. Oh, my God. They called his house the murder factor. You know, they love putting names on God. shit. And when they learned about how Gang strung, strung, uh, strung up Warden's body, it was even more sensationalized. The body parts, there was the body, the body parts, the furniture made out of the human remains, the body snatching, which we ain't even got to that yet, the plastic bag with Hogan's face in it, and then there was the rumors of jars of human blood in the basement, and then there was <laughs> the, the fact perfect. that he was possibly a cannibal oh wait hold on it made like five horror movies yeah it was like literally <laughs> literally though now monday they discovered six more heads they were wrapped in plastic bags and tossed under furniture now who else did king kill they were like there has been various missing person pe- uh, cases in the county over the past 10 years could it have been him Gein stayed quiet for a day and a half and finally he admitted to killing warden but couldn't remember the details because he was in a quote daze Okay. Scene. Gene gets interviewed by the prosecutor. His name was Colleen. Now, this is Colleen. Now, you start from the time you went into Warden's implement store. Tell us exactly what happened the best you can recall. Gene, when I went into Mrs. Warden's store, I took a glass jug for permanent antifreeze. When I entered the hardware store, she came toward me and said, do you want a gallon of antifreeze? And I said, no, a half gallon. She got out the antifreeze. She pumped it out and I held the jug for her to pour it in. And then she pumped out another quart and I was still holding the jar while she pumped that. Then I paid her with a dollar bill. She gave me back one cent because it was 99 cents. And this is what I can't remember from now because I don't know just what happened from now on, you see. She glanced out the window towards the filling station across the street and she said, they are checking deer there. And then she looks towards the west, out of the west and north windows and said, there are more people uptown than I thought there would be. She might have said something about the opening of the season. She might have said that. Colleen said, do you remember striking her or shooting her? Gene. No, this is what got me, whether I took my antifreeze out. That is what I can't remember. It is hard for me to say from now on. My memory is a little vague, but I do remember dragging her across the floor. I remember loading her body in the truck. Then I drove the truck out on the East Road at the intersection where 51 and 73 separate East Plainfield. I drove the truck up in the pine trees Then I walked to the town and got in my car and drove it out there and loaded her body in the back of the car and also the cash register. Sounds like his memory's pretty good. Good to me. Uh, Thank you. I loaded the cash register in the truck. And when I put her body in there, then I drove out to my farm and I took the body out of the car and hung it up by the heels in my woodshed. Colleen, tell how you took the blood out and buried it. You used the knife you made from the file to cut her up. That is as close as I can remember. I was in a regular daze. Like, I can't swear to it. Colleen, then you said that you took the blood from the body and you put that out, buried it out by the toilet house where you pointed it out, east of the toilet. 
do you because you know they had outhouses yeah do you remember what you had the blood in was it a pail a bucket a jar it must have been a pail what kind of pail probably galvanized probably a 10 quart pail he's very specific then you processed you proceeded to dress out the body you told me that you thought you were dressing out a deer that is the only explanation i can think was in my mind okay now when they asked gene about the cannibalism he said he couldn't remember when they asked him if he killed anyone else he said not to my knowledge (laughs) like i ain't gonna miss it when asked about whether or not he had sex with the bodies he said they smell too bad that's a good answer. When they asked him about the scraps of humans all over the house, he said he did not kill all of those people. He killed Mrs. Warden, but that was an accident because he was in a daze. All the body parts had come from the graveyards. Have mm, they, though? Because they seem a little fresh to be. Well, uh... that one was fresh because that one had steam on it. Okay. Now, over five years, this man made several visits to the cemetery to steal body parts. He would read the obituaries in the paper, find newly dead middle-aged women. Some of these women he knew, and then he would dig them up, and he claimed he left the graves in apple pie order. I have no fucking idea what that means. (laughs) Now, Gene claimed to want to show them something back at the house. He loved this attention. He didn't shy away from the journalists at all. He basically gave them a tour. He showed them where he drained Warden with the pail at the outhouse. I mean, he just... The things that you could do in the 60s or the late 50s. Yeah, like they also found Warden's cash register, which only had $41 in it. Um, Gein was going to be charged with first degree murder and larceny, but Gein hired, went ahead and hired a lawyer. Now he was accused of other crimes. One being the disappearance of Evelyn Harley in lacrosse, but Gein had an alibi. He was working for a neighbor, but in the meantime, they checked her dental rep- records against the 10 heads found in his house. They like, <laughs> let's just double check. Now it was unlikely that Gein had anything to do with her disappearance. He was asked about his involvement in the deaths of two sisters named the Grimes. That was their, that was their last names. And a woman named Judith Anderson, who was butchered and three young boys that were killed in Illinois in 1955. But he said he hadn't even been anywhere, but Milwaukee. And that was in 1942 when he tried to join the army. Oh, right. Now, Mary Hogan's disappearance was a different story. The press had released that Gein had a bunch of guns, including a 32 caliber pistol at, his home and at the time what they knew about mary's um death was that she had been shot with a 32 caliber pistol uh he denied knowing her even though he admitted to being in her tavern and then there was the i don't know her fucking face covered in oil in his house (laughs) (laughs) but hey what do i know what do i know they just found this woman's face in a bag, my guy. So, but I didn't. I don't. I don't, I don't, know. I don't know her. Uh, I, she wasn't dead prior, like like the other women you claim that you dug up in the graveyards that you knew that you saw in the obituaries. Mary Hogan wasn't dead. Yeah, that don't so, make sense. Yeah, make that make sense, homeboy. Pedal like so, they plan to have a polygraph test done because they didn't know if if the answers were really true or not, and the village of Plainsfield was not. With the idea of having to dig up a bunch of dead bodies to find out which ones were tampered with. They were like, we did. So it was like he was bar- digging them up and then reburying the graves? I guess to kind of like. Cover it up. Yeah. Like- I mean, and then you again, it's winter. 
It was probably covered in snow. The ground got hard again. That's the thing. He was just doing he five years of this shit. Like he was just doing this over and over and over <laughs> again. And so, which also, I would believe if I were a betting man, I would say he probably dug them up in when the ground was soft. Oh, it had to be like it had to. Have, and then it had put to them like right away almost. And then probably held on to them, put them back in the ground, covered them up before the first snowfall. That's what I would have did if well, I, mean, I was a psycho. Yeah. Well, and then you also have to, like, you would think you would have to do it when the graves are super fresh. Because you imagine yeah. trying to dig up six, like a six feet grave oh, yeah. like, by yourself. Oh, for sure. That, well, and that was the other thing, too, because there was, I didn't get into it, but there was some speculation that maybe he didn't do it by himself. I'm like, he probably did it Yeah, by he himself. did it by himself. He, he had nothing <laughs> but time, and he did it at night. He was also looking for recently buried people. Yeah. So, I mean, which kind of sucks, too, because it's like, damn, didn't nobody visit these people? <laughs> <laughs> these, these people died. These people just died, like, yesterday. Didn't nobody visit these graves? I don't visit but if graves, it's graves, so I guess I don't That's know. true. And then, first of all, if it was probably, <clears throat> excuse me, it was the 19, what, 40s? Late, There's yeah. a likelihood Maybe that- you weren't doing six feet yet? Not even that we weren't doing six feet, but that, like, he, it was still a fresh mound of dirt. So all he would have needed to do was it's going to be fresh. You, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it probably just was like, they probably just didn't suspect it. That's just gross. Yeah. It's pretty disgusting. Um, now, uh, now there's no, he, this is, was, this was a quote. There's no sense going back with a pick and shovel to check the graveyards near playing field until we have exhausted the possibilities of the evidence we already have. He acknowledged that some of the body parts recovered from Gein's house contained formaldehyde. Well, okay. okay. Quote, he says, our noses tell us this, but he insisted that the presence of embalming fluid did not in itself prove that Gein was a grave robber. After all, Wilson told the reporters Gein could have put the fluid there himself, which to me is like, that's bullshit. Yeah, probably didn't happen. We don't know. Maybe he's an amateur taxidermist. That is where the rumor of Ed Gein being a taxidermist came from, which wasn't true. They didn't find a, anything stuffed. Okay. I like, like professional. I mean, he had the skill. Yeah. Obviously. Of, you know, I mean, he was crafty as hell. He yeah, probably I mean, could have pulled it off. Make, if he can make a curtain, he can yeah. stuff a dog. Exactly. I mean, and obviously Robert Block incorporated that in Psycho. Norman Bates' character yeah. was a taxidermist and all this other stuff. But, um, I, you know, I, that part apparently isn't true. Uh, but then there was, you know, Mary Hogan's face mm, <laughs> being oh, in the house. We can, we, all, we can always go back can, to that. Like, I mean. <laughs> now, <laughs> Jesus. Now Clearly. The now, the deputies had a count of 15 women, 10 faces, one head, which was wardens, and four noses. But there were more noses than there were faces. <laughs> so, Gein was questioned for nine hours. It seems this item from is from a leg or probably from two. Is that sewn in two places? He says... That's a person that's from a person from the grave. What about he's talking about the leggings? Yeah. What about the face masks? When I made those masks, you see, I stuffed them all out with paper so that they wouldn't dry on the vagina. I did, you know, sprinkle a little salt. Was there a resemblance? Uh, so in that's some just so gross. Like you're eating. No, I mean, okay, it wasn't for eating. <laughs> Oh. It's not seasoning for eating. I was like, so, I mean, he was a cannibal, though. But No, he wasn't. Oh, there wasn't. That was not no, true. No, he, I mean, well, he said he didn't remember eating them. Okay. 
he didn't, you know, which remember, they mean. don't even bring that up again, which tells me he didn't. Probably okay, that probably means them. they didn't do it. Yeah. Um, was there a resemblance in some of the faces to that of your mother? I believe there was some. Do you have any recollection, Eddie, of taking any of those female parts, the vagina specifically, and holding it over your penis to cover the penis? I believe that's true. Okay. You recall doing that with the vaginas of the bodies of other women? That I believe I do remember. That's right. Would you ever put on a pair of women's panties over your body and then put some of these vaginas over your penis? That could be. Would you open the entire casket or just one of the halves, just the half, and slip them out? That's right. And what section of the flesh would you remove? The head. The head? How about the vagina? Eddie seemed a little flustered. Well, that not, not always. And removing the head, did you first cut through and then snap the bone? I guess that would be snapping. His answers are just so. I'm like, they're so fast. They're not. They're, I mean, there's no worry. It's yeah. like, this is just what I. I guess. But he's also not. It doesn't seem like he's answering indefinite. So he's no. very much like, I, I guess that could. I mean, it's that almost like true. they're. They're leading, you know, it's one of those things where they're uh -huh. setting up the, the confession. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's true. I mean, he kind of is being led, but he's still just being like, I guess that's right. I guess that's true. Because a person who's not guilty, like, hell no, and yeah, absolutely I mean, not, and I, ain't no way in ever. Well, but I mean, there are, you know, there are tons of cases of false confessions. That's true. And people who, people. and also just people who like to lie well, and say that, that like, they, did they did stuff. It and they actually didn't. Yeah. Now, Ed admitted that he wore the skin masks. He admitted that he wore the breast vest and the skin leggings and that he covered his penis in vulvas. <laughs> Quote, then decked out from top to bottom in his corpse costume, a cross dresser who derived his pleasure not from donning women's clothes, but from wearing their skin and hair. He would parade about the cop webbed rooms of his house or on warmer nights strut about in the moonlight. Okay. End quote. He admitted to sawing the skulls and turning them into bowls, which were from a Norwegian style of drinking. He read about that. He <laughs> told how he used salt to preserve the vulvas, oh. but they would turn green anyway. So he painted one silver to see if the silver would help stop the decaying. I don't know. I got nothing. I didn't look that up if silver is known for this. I, you know, I mean, uh, I know silver need to, he tarnishes. doesn't need to make sense, actually. He doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> now, this was just a, a hilarious. Now, quote, from time to time during the interrogation, Eddie complained of hunger and asked for something to eat. At one point, he was presented with a slice of apple pie topped with a chunk of Wisconsin cheddar. Now, this is what's crazy because my granny used to eat cheese and cookies, and I thought that was strange. So I like, like, was she eating like, uh, like, like Lorna Dunes and then what ginger snaps? No, no. Lorna Dune, the shortbread cookie, oh. the ones that you buy. Yeah. And then she would get a, a, a slight, a thick slice of cheddar cheese and eat them shits together. Like a lunch, like a, like a charcuterie. Huh. And it's, I guess it's the sweet and the savory. Huh, it makes sense. I mean, ginger snap, I do it with ginger snaps and cheese. That's interesting. Like, I mean, I got it from Pearl, which is. Maybe it's a oh southern older, thing. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. 
I don't know. I can't make it make sense. I'm not. I mean, I used to dip my fries in Frosties at Wendy's. Oh, That's I about mean, it. I know people do that still. That's fire, though. That I mean, that will always be. I mean, delicious. I mean, yeah. It's not. I mean, I know people do fries yeah. and milkshakes. Like, oh, at, for like, sure, a hundred. And it, even though it's cold, I could you. I hate cold fries, but if you put if you dip it yeah, in some ice cream, I'm maxing. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't. So anyway, he munched on his snack while continuing to answer Willem Mofsky's questions. Apparently, however, the food did not come up to Eddie's finicky standards, interrupting his tale of body snatching and corpse flaying and flesh wearing. The little man who ate his soup from skull caps and kept a shoebox full of salted vaginas <laughs> turned to his interrogator and began to fuss about the dryness of the cheese. <laughs> Like, well, actually, I mean, they do live in Wisconsin. I'm the, sure they're uh, cheese snobs. I, look, seriously, because I love <laughs> like, me some Wisconsin cheddar on like, burger. I ain't going to hold you, but. They're like, what, he's like, what is, we're in Wisconsin. But what it's is, like, is, bro, you just had salted coochies in a box. <laughs> you, you, you telling me you've a cheese connoisseur? You are from, what do they call them in French? Fromage. Fromage something, whatever. Yeah, anyway, I don't know. So after the lie detector test was completed, it was confirmed that Gein killed Mary Hogan and Bernice Warden. But, quote, we are able to at this time state that the results of the test referred to eliminate the subject, Edward, 51 years as the person responsible for and or involved in the disappearance of Evelyn Hartley in La Crosse on October 24th, 1953, the disappearance of Georgia Jean Weckler in Jefferson County, May 1st, 1947, and Victor Travis in Adams County, November 1st, 1952. So basically they say he didn't do the mother ones, but he did I don't think these two. he would two. kill a man anyway. Yeah, exactly. He's trying to kill people that look like his mother. Yeah, or, now, or just women that he can wear he wants to be sure. a woman it yes sounds like. Like, he wants to be his mother he wants to wear parts that make him appear mother. like his mother now with this they had planned to file for first degree murder but da killeen had also intended to ask the court for a sanity hearing ed's attorney william belter was planning on pleading not guilty by reason of insanity ed agreed of course quote there were lots of things that eddie was still hazy about and it was obvious to everyone who came into contact with eddie his defense attorney included that one of the things Gein was most glaringly hazy about was the sheer magnitude of his crimes Gein exhibited no awareness at all of their enormity he couldn't have been any more nonchalant about them if they had consisted of a string of parking tickets <laughs> as belter display displaying a real skill of understatement later said of his client i don't think he was a, a full appreciation of what he had done which is true insanity. It is. Now, psychologically, they believe Gene suffered from an Oedipus complex, which if you don't know that, that's a Freudian theory. It's the complex of emotions aroused in a young child, typically around the age of four, by an unconscious sexual desire for the parent of the opposite sex, and which is ex to exclude the parent of the same sex. So a boy in love with his mother versus a boy in love with his father. But the term for the girl who's in love with her father. Yes, yes. <laughs> the girl who's in love with her father. Or yes, yes. Okay, I got confused. It's called the electric complex. So there's oh. the Oedipus, Oedipus complex and the electric complex. Thing. Now, which accounted for the women's parts and the killing of the two women that looked like his mother. They were like, yeah, eh, eh, it makes eh. sense. 
Now, he had an unhealthy attachment to his mother, and this could have led to his, quote, feminine attitudes. He wanted to be a woman. He, he, wanted, didn't, to he wanted to be a woman instead of a man. And he wondered if it was possible to change his sex or to even perform the change on himself. Now, Which is interesting because his mom thought all women were like sin-filled, evil, evil yeah. people. So like the fact that he wanted to be his mother and a woman, it's kind of interesting. Well, his mother was perfect. That was oh, the only woman. woman he, that was perfect. Yeah. So that, yeah. Now, when his mother passed away, he was depressed. And two years later in 1947, that's when he began digging up the graves. But that wasn't enough. So when he saw that Hogan resembled his mother, he knew he had to have her. So he, quote, returned to the tavern, shot Mrs. Hogan through the back of the head with a 32 caliber Mauser, loaded her 200 pound body into his truck, drove home, hoisted her up by her heels with a pulley arrangement in the summer kitchen where his parents had once slaughtered hogs and butchered her body with a homemade knife fashioned from a file seven several years later he repeated the atrocity with bernice warden another local businesswoman who strongly reminded ed gain of his own hefty strong-willed de- dear departed mommy that makes sense both <laughs> women not only physically resembled but yeah. they also had that same businesswoman-y which you know there's a part of the book and i didn't include it in my summary that i also found very interesting that i am one of those people who uh, do not believe that women should raise children by themselves at all. Because <clears throat> you can, women have the tendency to make, make a, specifically boys, not always girls, but specifically boys, either to this or to, or that. to that fucking that. And she the fact that she has such a weak willed husband who did not, not to say he should hit her or abuse her or yeah. do anything like that. We but did to, hit her to, and abuse her, actually, He did. So. He actually did. But <clears throat> not to say that he should or that that was appropriate at all, but to be there to help guide his sons into manhood. Well, he wasn't a man at all, which obviously is what Augusta needed in order to maintain some level of control because she herself obviously didn't trust him to be able to do it so she did it and we're and i feel like in today's society we're starting to see where this breakup of the home the fact that there are so many men missing from the home is turning into a problem you got too many women raising men alone sorry and in a patriarchal society where we you know, unfortunately have been forced to rely on men who, no disrespect to you, I mean, but who at the end of the day are not emotionally intelligent enough to do shit. We just had, I just had this, conversation, had this conversation with you the other day, yeah. because you're just not built to do it. The shitty ass person. I follow, uh, you know, I follow that, that woman, what's her name on TikTok, Princella, the, the queen maker or whatever, who, yeah, I don't know. anyway, I like her. Um, she's, she's a lot, but I do like her cause she has a lot of valid points. Um, and, one of the things she talked about is kind of like what me and Kira talked about on one of the episodes where we were saying like men are the gatekeepers to other men. Oh yeah, definitely. So her thing was in a, we are in this patriarchal society where not enough men are stepping in to train men to be men. To be men. So, and it's not, it's like you can have a dude who's got 
all of these male friends who he loves to be around Mm -hmm. that constantly validate him, that never tell him how shitty he is. Right. Yep. And he loves being around those guys because they only, they only allow him to be shitty. Yeah. Right. He, he never gets judged. He never gets told don't do that or don't be that way or nothing. But, if you had more men, especially in fem, you know, we can take the extreme version from that friend who you know is always forcing women to do things, or who's a sexual fucking deviant who always touches women at the club, yeah, I mean, or that friend yeah. that beats all his girlfriends. I had that conversation with one of my friends who I knew through my ex when I was like, "But you all knew he was a piece of shit." I mean, you, you know, it's like as simple as like men not taking care of their kids and you hanging out with a man that yeah, you like, know doesn't I, take care of their so you can even take the abuse out oh, yeah. but like you just right you, you on know, the I, simplest level simplest thing of like you don't take care of your children like i couldn't be friends with a man yeah. that did not take because care of his men children. men listen to other men they yeah. don't listen to women yeah i mean that's just really what about you men are so engaged in man shit that they only listen to other men and that's why it's important for other men to check men yeah no i agree 100%. it shouldn't be us up to us to check we one it typically they don't, listen. they don't listen to us we're usually the ones that's, that's kind of right about what they're doing but it also a lot of the times puts us in danger yeah if i mean you tell a guy at the club why are you touching her like that yeah as a woman that's a different thing. When it comes off different, because now it's like, what do you mean? Like, why are you being? Yeah, this, blah, 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 blah. When a dude is kind of like, gee, like, that's not okay. Yeah. Like, what you doing? I know what it was. It was the episode me and Kira did on the duct tape killer, where we were like, why is this man so comfortably talking about tying up, taping up his coworker? To his friends, and his friends are just like, hey, you a wild boy. No, yeah, no. he's not wild. He's, not. he's not a okay. psycho. Sociopath. So that's where I feel that's what kind of this is what make this is why I'm saying that. Yeah, that makes sense. Men have to train other yeah. men to be men. The same reason why women have to train other women yeah. to be women. Yeah. You know, so <clears throat> when you see Ed Gein's mom who is clearly a psychopath herself. Yeah, she got some issues. Who was Whose religious piety had just took over her brain. She was indoctrinated. And beaten. It would have needed, you would have needed the father to step in and be like, Augusta, okay, baby girl, take a back seat on this one. But he was weak. Yeah. So she had free reign over her kids to, to treat them anyway to teach them whatever and at the end of the day i just don't have the fiber like don't matter how tomboy i can be no matter how many yeah. rap songs i know don't matter how many video games i've played i cannot teach you how to be nope. a man i just can't no, i agree and, and i, mean, I that's have not no saying anything to single mothers it. but like it's one of those things where you have to especially if you have boys i think you have to give them that positive male influence in some way so if you know if it's not the dad, it's, it's gotta be somebody dad, gotta be somewhere. You have to give them. Yeah. And I think that's why, you know, you have a lot of those programs, like those big brother programs yeah, big, yep. or, you know, yep. maybe you have an uncle or yep. where you have to kind of, you know, they need a mentor. They need a mentor or some sort. Yeah. And a so, positive one. so anyway, I say that to, that's what I mean when I say that I don't think that women should raise boys yeah. alone because at the end of the day, we do not have the wiring to teach him how to move through society if we teach him to, to be too emotional, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. We teach him to be 
too not emotion too unemotional it's gonna be a problem yeah, i mean and it sucks and societally it sucks because like you said like you teach them to be too emotional or too non-emotional and you need that balance right yeah. especially as a man because you have to unfortunately be able to balance out Yes. What is perceived as too emotional as a man. And yeah. like, but that's why two parent homes make makes sense. so much sense. Because at the end of the day, balance. I don't think a man can just raise, he can raise his sons and teach them how to be a man, but he may also raise them to be chauvinistic pieces of shit yep. because he's a chauvinistic, chauvinistic piece of shit. You know what I mean? So it depends. But if you have a woman there that could kind of like balance, uh uh-uh, uh, nope, you, nope. because you learn how to treat a woman by the way you treat your mom the way you see your mom being treated absolutely i think in the beginning absolutely um, so interactions in the household like absolutely absolutely and i think ed gain just didn't have a chance not at all he he did not have a chance i mean his dad was a nothing piece of shit his mom was a Mm -hmm. abused turned into religious freak (laughs) yeah like they're both kind of pieces of shit they were now one um Psychiatrist thought that Gein was a schizophrenic and he had con- a conflicting feelings about his mom. Like he loved and hated her at the same time. So why did he no, just treat these women like this? Likely because of the sexual attitudes that Augusta had instilled in him about modern women. Cause she was more in like the traditional, traditional. sense. Um, now, Gein quote Gein had told his questioners about his mother's views he was like she was one of those people she thought that all women had the devil in them (laughs) and we know this is what Dr. Edward Keller said that whenever a mother hammers away at an abnormal attitude towards other women it will affect her children the result of Gein's abnormal conflicted feelings for his mother according to Keller was a cluster of symptoms unparalleled in the annals of sexual psychopathology a sickness combining acute forms of transvesticism fetishism which is the disordered love of non-living objects and then the ghastliness of necrophilia which is the love of the dead now Gein did feel bad and he was sorry for his crimes and the pain that he inflicted on other people but he remained pretty even-tempered and good-mannered I mean he was quiet he was shy that's how the, he was raised that was just how he was raised but the weird thing with displaying was him displaying a little too much elation, either because of the attention that he was getting or just the fact that he was finally telling the truth. And he, you know, there's that euphoria that people get, that relief. Now, Gaines initial confession was thrown out because Sheriff Art Schley had assaulted Gaines during the first round of questioning. Um, Either way, on November 21st, 1957, Gaines was arraigned on one count of first degree murder. He was found unfit to stand trial and was sent to Central State Hospital for the criminally insane in Walpoon, Wisconsin. Then he was transferred to Mendota State Hospital in Madison. Now, Gene would stand trial. I say, keep saying Gene. Gene would stand trial again in November of 1968, which lasted just one week. He was found guilty of first degree murder for just Warden's death because they felt like it was just too costly oh. to try I mean, Hogan's death. I just feel like he was clearly in I, that, you know, and I. I know the the insanity defense is is a really hard one to actually pull off, yeah. but like this dude was, he was clearly nuts. Uh, nuts. 
Um, but he was, you know, to them, they were like, he's still legally insane and he's still going to spend his life in, men- in a mental institution. So to try the Hogan thing, just- they were like, we're not going to do it. Because what they also knew was that, okay, yes, we found her face in his house. It would take more investigating and more lab tests. They didn't want to do the criminal stuff. They didn't want to do any of that part. What they knew was that he was going to go away because of Warden. Yeah. We can win that one. Open and shut. Open shut. And he's going to go to jail. So he's going to go to, he's going to go to jail now, you know, and I know sometimes families and stuff and like closure. that. Now they didn't really mention Hogan's family. She was originally from here. Um, they didn't really mention how Hogan's family felt. At least I didn't, I don't remember seeing it about Hogan's, how Hogan's family felt about all of this. Cause they didn't really acknowledge her family. Um, but in delivering this decision, the judge Golmar, he rejected uh, Gein's contention that the killing was accidental, noting among other things that Gein's actions, quote, immediately after hang somebody from the ceiling, immediately <laughs> after the shooting, cast a certain degree of doubt on that particular excuse. Instead of behaving the way most people would have if they shot somebody accidentally, which is by rushing into the street and trying to get a doctor, Gein, Golmar explained, loaded the body into a truck. Then. <laughs> into his car and while he testified he had no personal recollection of dissecting the body i think there could be no question that this was done by the defendant (laughs) and that he hung her up in his woodshed this line of conduct gomar concluded does not fit with an accidental shooting not even slightly after listening to their testimony judge gomar delivered his decision the court does find on november 16 1957 the defendant edward gain was suffering from a mental disease. The court does further find that as a result of his mental disease, he lacked substantial capacity to conform his conduct to the requirements of the law. And the court does therefore find the defendant not guilty by reason of insanity. Now, Gein died in Mendata Mental Health Institute of respiratory failure, but he didn't die until July 26, 1984. Wow. He was 77. His house was burned down in 1958. When Gein heard about it, he was like, just as well. I mean, his car was eventually sold to a carnival show so people could pay to see it. Cool. His gravestone <laughs> was stolen in 2000 and eventually recovered in Seattle. And now it's supposed to be at the Washura County Historical Society Museum, which used to be the Washura County Jail in Watoma. But. They decided not to display it because it's in Wisconsin oh. because they felt it was too controversial. His grave at the is is at the Plainfield Cemetery in Wisconsin, but it's unmarked. It's between his brother and his mother. Now, here's That's a joke. Here's find. a joke for the road. Why did they have to keep the heat on in Ed Gaines' house? So the furniture wouldn't get goosebumps. <laughs> Zing! <laughs> people there were so many he like the author listed a bunch of jokes that people well because i mean that's a good one actually i mean i don't know if we should find things like that funny but it's not it but it is is, it's like it's funny so that is the story of mr ed gain wow i think he's actually scarier than all of the movies that he inspired (laughs) well the true story well and that was the thing too they were like there isn't any amount of fiction 
that could make it that is more strange than the truth. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is just weird. It's a lot. It's just, you know, that 70s, 80s, just almost exploitative horror. It's just gnarly. But to think of like this odd man doing this for this long, which is just like the, it's the making yo. of all of the, the the curtains with the lips. And yeah, the, the, I mean it's like I mean it's one thing the to resourcefulness like, of it, it is, all. It's just it's it. I'm it's yeah. I mean He's you made like, a whole bodysuit. You made furniture. Yeah. You were like. You know, I'm not that impressed with the bulls out of the skulls. That, yeah, that's that's that simple. Like, yeah, that's I like, can do that. Actually. Vampires do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> if vampires were real, they would do that. But, but like the belt, the nipple belts, the lampshade, which he also got from Nazis, because the bitch of Buchenwald oh. was making the lampshades. She was making all yeah. that stuff um, out of the skin, of, uh, which is like. But evil. see, like I feel like right. So she was able to do it probably undisturbed nobody like you know yeah. but like and probably in the open for the most part oh for sure yeah he was doing it like in his in dirty, his dirty ass, ass house disgusting house which is wild because he was like like kids were there but then again think about it he really only killed two people yeah so we know i mean other than all of the bodies that he had just like haphazardly tossed around in a, in mounds of why, junk. That's why he was so strong. Digging out graves. Well, that yeah. can't, like, that has to be good I cardio. I mean, you got and, to have a strong back. I was like, they got to be some good cardio and some arms and yeah, some back going that's, on there. That's a lot, yeah. So, well, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't even know. I don't even know. But, yes, go watch Psycho. Oh, and yeah. then go watch, gonna watch. I'm gonna watch Psycho and then Rear Window. The Rear Window. Yes, please go watch. That sounds those. like my weekend this weekend. Best for sure. And then I'll well, probably watch Psycho back. when you leave. <laughs> um, <laughs> but go follow me on all your stuff. Sting like a bee on TikTok, Lavender Bordeaux on Instagram, Swear to Drunk Podcast on Instagram as well. If you don't want to follow me personally, you don't have to. But you should. Um, Dustin. Arrogantly humble 86. Okay. I actually it, don't know my TikTok, but you can go follow it. You know? I was about to say, I, isn't it the same? It might be actually. <laughs> um, And so, yeah, I, I whatever. I'm not going to say I hope you enjoyed it because I know you probably didn't. But Unless this is, you're a sicko, like, like I mean, Iggy. I enjoyed it. <laughs> you're like, but I actually, did. I mean, I enjoyed it because I learned from it because I, I realized that there was a lot about Ed Gein that I didn't yeah, that really just know. I, nothing. Yeah, no. Yeah. So I will also say go if you have MGM Plus, you know, or pa- I think Paramount and MGM, MGM are in the same, whatever. I think so. But if you do go check out the uh, Lost Tapes of Ed Gein, it's very interesting too. I mean, he is so very mild mannered and he is so nonchalant when he's talking about this stuff. It's actually pretty, it's, you know, it, it's like you, sometimes when you listen to tapes of serial killers and they sound just so confident and they're like this, like who's the other one? Like Ed Kemper. You know, or anybody like that who's just like very sure of himself. Yeah. Or then sometimes you you talk you you hear the ones that are just like weird, but he's just like I was just you know, a little country. You know what like, I he mean? Just kind of little. I just it, a little dairy know, farm kid that, that, that just you know, and this yeah. I mean, he's just you know, it's just like one of those things. You're like, I don't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't quite expecting oh, yeah, for him to sound like a normal person. So it was very, it was a very interesting watch. So I definitely recommend that. And if you want to go and uh, read the book, 
um, go do that too. It was called something, and I don't remember what it was called now. But it'll be linked. It'll be deviant, and it will be linked. So, all right. Uh, I will see you all in a couple of weeks. And uh, anything else? We done? No, we done? I think we're we done, done there. All right. Love y'all. Mean it. Bye. Bye.